ready. Game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stompers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. It is week 10. I told you it was going to fly by. Well, yeah, now this would be the time of year where you can say, yeah, things are flying by. <laughs> you, you said you that were like two weeks ago. You were in week two and you're like, man, this is going fast. Trubisky start against the Giants this feel like yesterday. Uh, yeah. The offense was better then. It was better. Oh, it was better. Yeah. More exciting. Yeah. Uh, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to try to fix the Bears' offense. This is the most ambitious task we've ever tried to accomplish on the Hogan <laughs> Johns podcast. But here we are. Years in the making, they might say. <laughs> Decades. Uh, we're going to fix the franchises. What's going to happen here today on November 10th? as the Bears prepare for a Week 10 matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, who are trending in the opposite direction and getting better. The only saving grace for the Bears is that 0-9 Monday Night Football record for your guy, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Something's got to give, right? Either the Bears get better and they win, or Kirk Cousins is he erases that record, and we all like that for for, for a Monday night. You remember uh, last year I went to the Monday night game between the Packers and the uh, Vikings in Minnesota right around Christmas because the Bears played Sunday, and I went up to Minnesota with my family for Christmas the next day, and it was a Monday night game. The NFC North was decided that day between the Vikings and Packers, and. Uh, I remember we were talking about, we're like, this has to be the time that Kirk Cousins wins on Monday Night Football. Like, the Vikings seemed like the better team. They were at home. You know, it was back, uh, if you can remember way back when you could have a packed, loud football building. That seems like a long time ago. Uh, and it was. It was an amazing atmosphere. But Kirk Cousins was playing, and the Packers won relatively easily. They were in, in control, and they won that game. So... As much as things are uh, trending in the wrong direction for the Bears, you do have that dynamic. And was it? Did they're they play playing, on Monday Night Football last? They're just playing Kirk Cousins. I love how that's just the dynamic. But it For, is. Forget all the other improvements. Forget the Alvin Cook. They're just playing Kirk Cousins on the Monday Night. You can't that's deny it. the that's record. It. Everybody's watching. Pressure's on Kirk. Nobody else. But the Bears Kirk have done Cousins. this. How many times has the Bears defense made him look silly? On oh, Monday they've Night made Football? his life miserable. Absolutely, yeah. they have. Well, I guess it's not always been Monday night. Was one of those Sunday nights? I'm forgetting now. At least one of them was on Monday night. Either way, it's prime time. The game's at Soldier Field, and Kirk Cousins is playing. So the Bears have a chance. We'll break all that down on Thursday. Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. We both have pieces up today uh, addressing the what I thought was a very interesting Monday of conversations, especially with the assistant uh, assistant coaches. We're going to play some of that for you. Some of Nagy, too. 
And, and again, the big theme of this podcast, I think, is trying to figure out what can be done for this offense right now to get it back in gear. Because I think it's you wrote about this on the Athletic. Your your five takeaways, my ten things on NBCSportsChicago.com. I kind of went position by position. Maybe we could do a little bit of that today too. Um, I mean, I think there's a couple positions that aren't necessarily really problem makers, but there's still improvements that can be made there to fix the overall offense. So we'll break it all down and try to come up with solutions. It's not easy. It's not easy. Should we start, though, with the voicemails, the we stressful stuff? Yes. <laughs> yes. Cathartic. We, we could try to be positive and come up with answers, but first... Let's get let's get the complaints out of the way, right? The uh, what has turned into the Hogan Johns complaint line. It's kind of always been that way. Uh, here are your voicemails from the whew, awful Bears game against the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Hello. Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know. Your ass better call somebody. Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hey guys, this is Nick from Alabama, and I just, I can't believe that in, in 24 years of being a fan, I've just yet to see this team put even a walkable offensive product on the field. It's its truly depressing. Yeah, it's the second quarter. I'm sitting here watching this right now. And all I could say is, are you kidding me? I mean, this is the worst I've ever seen. Why is it that every time I'm ready to write off Chris Tabor as just being a bad special teams coordinator, he, he ends up doing something to make me feel like he's got some juice. I, that was an a nifty fake punt there. I, I like that. I want to see some more of that shit. M-I-N-G-O 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 We finally got a first down. His name was Mingo. Fire f***ing Maggie. He is the f***ing worst. I'm so sick of his shit. What's up, boys? Oh my gosh. Just so bad. You call a fake punt. You get it. And then you immediately call a timeout after that. I don't know what the hell Maggie's doing. It's like he's shocked that something actually worked on offense. If Matt Nagy has his face in the play card all the time, he should have to watch this offense like we do. Later. The Bears' offense is so bad that I would rather get a Rukinel or a colonoscopy than watch this game. What are we doing? Bartivius freaking Mingo is our leading rusher right now. What are we doing? They're going to make me turn this game off. This is awful. Our offense has got to change. Something has to change. Absolutely atrocious. I don't care if you have to put Adam Johns or Adam Hogue or anyone on the offensive line. Put them in just for goodness sake. Please release Rashad Coward. Please. Nick Foles fucking sucks. Let's put in Tyler Bray. Hey, hello. Perhaps this is a small aspect of American football that Igor Tcharkovsky does not understand. But it seems to me that despite being in Bears uniform, lineman Rashad Coward is playing for Titans. 
and he has generated more negative yards against Bears offense than for them. I mean this with uh, no exaggeration, no ridiculous joking mannerism. He is single worst offensive lineman I have ever seen in 10 years of watching Bears football. Embarrassment. He should be left in snow with no help and surrounded by actual, actual Bears. Thank you. This offense. This offense, guys. What? Is this an offense? What if Mitch is actually a really good player and Nagy's been the reason we haven't been like towards the upper echelon of a team we could be, you know? I maintain the optimism that this team, after the Saints loss, it's become obvious that this is not a team that's going anywhere, even if they do make the playoffs. Now I'm just hoping for a better draft pick, which really, really sucks. Man, I think his ego is going to cost us another season. I don't know about this offense. This got me longing for Mike March right now. I think I need couple therapy after this. I just... I've been abused by this team for so long, and it's... Uh. This team is a f***ing joke. I'm tired of this sh**. Fire everyone and start over. It's a dumpster fire. I think it's time to blow up the team. Honestly, I like Justin Fields and, or the kid from BYU, but I don't even think they're good enough to help make this offense look somewhat average. I'm not going to watch another single game this year until Maggie's either fired or at least at the very minimum relieved of offensive play calling. I'm done. Turning it off. That's it. Boys, it's Bob Zabrowski, and it is not a great day here in uh, Chicago. I mean, well, it was a beautiful day, but I feel like I'm a beached whale just flopping around on the beach here. Like, I'm just looking for something that doesn't really exist, and that something is the Bears offense, and God in heaven, this is just hard to watch. Like... God, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, I mean, like, we could we could take our Sundays and, like, I don't know, like, even if you want to go to an apple orchard or something, like, I'm sure that there's, like, bacon or something that you could wrap your apple around and, like, make it less than vegetarian. And it's just, like, we do this, this stuff to ourselves on uh, every single fucking uh, Sunday. Like, okay, let's, like, let's watch the bears. And it's just painful it's just like why 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 do we do that like it just sucks it sucks and uh, uh i don't know like if you guys want a sound bite it's just uh, uh terrible it's terrible anyway um there's still eight games or something there's playoffs let's go super bowl super Bears. The Bears have officially broken Bob Dabrowski. He's defeated. The, the, the overflowing optimism that he exudes on a consistent basis. That was hard. That was hard yes, to listen to. Yes, yes. I feel. Yes. I feel. I feel sad. Yeah, yeah. I actually feel sad after hearing Bob. He's oh. defe- defeated is a good way to put it. You can feel the hurt. A lot of pain there. A lot of angst. So look, turn into apathy. We play these voicemails every week, and sometimes they're overreactions, right? Because you got people calling in the middle of the game sometimes, right after the game. Emotions are hot, and we get it. Um, and sometimes it's funny overreactions, and sometimes it goes over the line. I didn't hear a single voicemail in there that was out of line or uh, 
really an overreaction. I mean, that was probably the most accurate voicemail compilation we've ever had of the current state of the Bears' offense. And that is why, as we sort of shift the conversation here, I don't see how they can't start making significant in-season changes here. Now, I I was screaming this a couple weeks ago and writing about it. Like, there's no way they can line up against the Saints with the same exact crap they put out against the Rams. And there were some subtle differences, but there really weren't. I mean, we're talking bigger changes here. We're talking about, most significantly, potentially changing the play caller. And I I tweeted that at halftime. If not now, when? If not now, when? I don't... How could it possibly get worse than this? Who do you go to? Bill Lazor or John Filippo? It's got to be Lazor by default because of the higher title. It's... Well, I, I would rank it Laser, actually, then Ragone, and then Filippo. Yeah, okay. Ragone's um, never done it before, though. Ragone's Other than the, that preseason game like two years ago. You know what, though? A lot of people have never done it before. You've never done it until you've done it. And then some <laughs> some play call, some guy. But seriously, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah there's a first time for everything. He, he's been, he has been around this personnel, uh, this offense, longer than anybody else You know, here in Chicago. And I would almost feel better about Ragon calling the plays if Trubisky was still out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I've made a concerted effort now to try to make note or, or see Nagy as, as much as we can on the sideline as the game's unfolding on the broadcast. And there are a couple times where, where the callers are right. He's buried in that play sheet. Well, Nick Foles, at least Nick Foles right now, is directing traffic, trying to get everybody in order. The, the checks, calls, all that stuff is made, and he's not even looking. He's, he's in his play sheet. It's, it's, it's so true. It's, it's so true. There, there's no rhythm. There's no feel for this offense. It's, it's all and by bad the way, right now. That, that right there, so let me be clear. I'm not at all convinced that changing the play caller is going to fix the offense, okay? I don't think it can hurt. I think we're at the point where I don't see how it could hurt anything. Yes. Okay. That's part of, and that's sort of a sad argument there, but that's where I am at that, uh, on that side of it. But what you just said is to me the big, and this is why I wrote in my 10 Bears things, and I've written this a couple times. To me, the biggest argument for Nagy giving a play calling is to concentrate on being the head coach. And look, on Saturdays when I'm around Northwestern, I get to see Pat Fitzgerald operate up close. And he is obviously a very good head coach. You've seen what he's accomplished. It's a different level. But what I'm about to tell you is an example of what I think... Nagy doesn't, nec- Nagy doesn't need to become a coach he's not. That's not what I'm saying. But let me let me just give you a couple examples of what, what Fitz does. So Fitz, first of all, he's obviously played linebacker. So he's more of a he comes from the defensive side. He coached linebackers before he became the head coach. He was actually never really a coordinator before he became head coach. Um, because he got that huge bump up when when Randy Walker passed away. But if you watch him on game days, he's the CEO of the whole team. He's involved in every single part of the roster. He's Focusing on the decisions that need to be made, 
but he's heavily involved in the special teams planning every single week and sort of a now he does have a special teams coordinator now but there was a time I think the first couple years I was doing sidelines where he was actually running special teams at the same time but if there's a problem on defense he goes and gets in the the DB's huddle over on the sideline or he gets in the linebackers if there's a blown coverage he's the first person there with the with the dry erase board trying to figure out what happened but if there's a problem on offense he'll go get in that offensive line huddle on the sideline he if the quarterback throws an interception the first person on that sideline is Pat Fitzgerald talking to the quarterback to figure out what went wrong he is involved in every single problem that arises and that's not to say he's stepping on his coaches they all have a great system for how they delegate but he wants to know and be involved in everything so that he doesn't necessarily have to wait until Sunday night or Monday morning to go back and watch the tape to figure out what went wrong. He wants to fix it right there in the middle of the game. Okay? That's what I just explained can't happen if you're buried in the play sheet the whole game. And what you said, Johns, is accurate. Every single time they show Matt Nagy on the sidelines, especially in the middle of an offensive series, he is looking at that play sheet. And I'm not expecting him to become what I just explained with Pat Fitzgerald. You know, I don't expect him to be in the linebacker meetings or anything like that. Like he essentially has always delegated the defense to his defensive coordinator, whether that was Vic Fangio or Chuck Pagano. Now they're almost like the defensive head coaches. It's just a different situation. That's fine. But I still wonder what he could see mid-game with his offense if he just took at least one week two weeks and observed it on the sideline. And that doesn't mean he can't get involved in the corrections when the offense comes off the field. But just actually absorbing what is happening in front of him uh, instead of worrying about the next play call. This conversation well brings up two things for me. It's the old John Fox soundbite, you know, where he coordinates everything, which is understandable. That's what he was. He, He delegated but he inserted himself. Like, Dow Loggins was limited in what he wanted to call because John Fox had a vision for how things wanted to... He, he wanted things to operate a certain way, right? No, I'm not he, an office coordinator. I'm not a defense coordinator. I'm not a special teams coordinator, but I coordinate all three. So John Fox, I'm actually going to maybe... This may sound like a defense of John Fox in a sense, yeah. but, but at least he had a vision for how he wanted to play, and that was complementary football. We just heard Matt Nagy use that term this week on Monday. Complimentary football. It's an old John Fox way of life. Okay. The the other part of this, the where this conversation brings me to, and this is probably the this is bad. This is bad. It's, it reminds me of when Mark Tressman would like bury himself in the film at Hallis Hall, searching endlessly for answers in his offense and kind of isolated himself. He was the head coach play caller. We saw how that went off the rails. Now, Matt Nagy does not have the shortcomings that Mark Tressman has as a people person or as the guy that everybody gravitates to. He's good in that sense. But the the problems on offense and the layeredness of it, how deep-rooted they are, starting to remind me of that, the second year of Mark Tressman, where Mark Tressman went into the room by himself looking for answers. And I'm not saying Nagy was doing that, but there is a, 
a vibe here that doesn't feel good about the Bears' offense. Absolutely. Now, here's, to me, a very important distinction, though, where, again, I think this is an argument for why Matt Nagy needs to take a step back here and really concentrate on being the head coach. And I think I made this argument a couple weeks ago. Like, on your career path, what's more important? Coordinating the offense or being a good head coach? You want to be a good head coach? That's the that's the ultimate goal when you're a coach, right? You want to be a one of the 32 head coaches in the NFL. And I think the one distinction between what you just described, and there are similarities with the Tressman situation, with at least with the offense, but he didn't have the respect of his players. You know, he lost that respect, especially on the defensive side of the ball, pretty quickly. These players still are playing for Nagy. But I also think they're getting to the point where it could go off the rails. We've seen you know, it before. How many four-game losing streaks can you go through? Like, it's great that he held it together last year during a four-game losing streak. But if it happens again this year, doesn't some doubt creep in if you're a player, especially if you're a player on the defensive side of the ball who's playing your ass off? Like, it really stood out to me. I, there was only like three minutes left in the game or something, and Akeem Hicks was playing as hard as he was on the first snap of the game. You know, those guys are playing their ass off on that side of the ball, and they need more help. I, so I would say, sorry to interject, almost the counter-argument to that is the culture and the guys they brought in. Like you said, like yeah. Akeem Hicks is just going to go like that all the time. Andy Gervaitis is going to go like that all the time. Roquan Smith... Now nah, is going to go like that all the time. Like those are prideful football players. They want to stop you. They want to beat you. And yes, Nagy has built this culture with with, with Ryan Pace. But some of it's just the the guys who they are. They, the Bears didn't have those guys with Tressman. But I guess my point is like he needs. I just don't see the downside in giving up play calling right now, and. Because one, it could spark your offense at least a little bit. Or getting another voice in there to make those decisions. Like, I only see upside on the offensive side. And then that would allow him to focus on keeping the whole team together. Which I don't think is a problem necessarily Monday through Saturday. But it sure as hell looks like a problem on Sundays, doesn't it? You know? So... I, I, I think if, if this is just me talk, I'm like if I'm Matt Nagy, it's it, to me it's a no brainer at this point. Like yeah. it, you, you can't. I I don't see the upside at all in just continuing to do what you've been doing. Take a step back. It does not mean you can't take over the play calling even three weeks down the road or something or next season. Like it doesn't need to be a permanent move. The only permanent move is if you get fired. And I don't think we're at that point yet. But you keep going down this road, that could be something that happens, whether it's probably not at the end of this year, but maybe next year. Like, you got to get this thing back on the tracks or it's going to be taken away from you. Now's the opportunity to give it up yourself and be the CEO of the whole football team. Not just... Sometimes it just seems like it's him and the quarterback, doesn't it? It does. You want to hear from Nagy? 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Monday was an interesting day of uh, conversations with Matt Nagy and the assistant coaches who we got access to for the first time in about a month. Um, let's start with Nagy. Because, you know, this happened a couple weeks ago where Nagy was asked about play calling, giving up those the play calling, and he sort of opened the door more than I think we've ever heard him open the door to the idea. However, he didn't actually do it. This week seems a little different. Here's what he had to say. Matt, you've said a couple times since yesterday afternoon that as the head coach, you'll look at everything to try to fix this. Are you going to keep calling plays? I'm looking at all that right now, uh, Pat. And, and I said I, I meant what I said yesterday. So when we're where we're at right now uh, as an offense and, and struggling the way we are, you have to be able to look at, at everything, including myself. So um, you know, we'll 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 see where that goes. We we play Monday, and we'll uh, we will we will make uh, the best decision possible here and. Uh, I think that that's that's a part of some of the decisions that we look at for sure. When would you like to know, or when would you like to have a verdict on that? I don't know, and 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 you know, in all honesty, and, and again with all due respect, um, if anything was to happen, I'm not sure that that you guys would know. You know, just so that's where where that's at. I think you can understand that part. So I, I do understand that part. Yes. So I, I shared some of that on Twitter, and people are like, how could you not tell? How would you not be able to tell on the sideline? I don't think Matt Nagy's, even if he's not calling plays, I think that play sheet remains in his hand. Oh, well, I thought he was just talking about during the week. Oh, you're not. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. I, I, yes. I think They're we'll not be able to announce tell. it. Yes, yes. That, I think that, we'll be able to tell on point. game day who's calling the plays. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I I, I would hope so. No, if his I don't, head's still, If he's not calling the plays and his head's still buried in that play sheet, that's a problem. Because the only way I think you would be able to tell is, is if Bill Lazor's doing it and he's next to him having his own play sheet. Because I don't think Matt Nagy is going to get rid of his play sheet. Just just look how the Chiefs do it. Andy Reid's still involved. He may not be calling every play, but he's almost involved in every play, if you know what I'm saying, right? Like there is – the delegation is different there. And Andy Reid is more than a mentor, for Matt Nagy. So even if the delegation goes to Bill Lazor on the sideline, he's got his own call sheet. I still think Matt Nagy will have his own call sheet right next to him. They'll be discussing it. Now, I don't know if that's the best course of things, but I, I, I feel like we've seen that with Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy with Andy Reid in Kansas City. And that's going to happen here, if it happens. Yes, I'm... I'm still not convinced it's going to happen. However, this is the first time, you know, going back to last year when this conversation came up, you know, and everyone accuses us of not, not asking if he's ever going to give up play calling. We ask all the time. We asked last year. This is the first time where I feel like it's actually legitimately on the table. Like, I think they don't, 
they don't go back to work until Thursday, really. Thursday is Wednesday, the Wednesday practice. So they gave them a little extra time here to probably have some meetings, talk this over, make a decision. And I think that whether or not it happens, Matt Nagy really did consider it this week. Um, I think that he should give up play. I, I'm on that side of it now. I think he he should give it up. Absolutely. Now, now, the interesting thing is there's a bye week next week. So do you wait till that bye week? I think that's part of the conversation or consideration that he's probably having. I wouldn't because I'd like to, if I'm him, you got this extra day this week to kind of come up with a plan. You can execute it. Um, and then you have the bye week to kind of review what happened. And did you come up with any solutions? Can you build on those solutions? Uh, and, and hey, we haven't talked about personnel yet. There's still a lot of problems there. We're about to talk about that stuff. Uh, very well, there might not be any solutions. Like you could change play caller and it could still be as bad. That's a very real possibility. Well, I, I still think it's on to the coaches. It, this this is such a coaching cliche. You want to put your players in the best possible position to succeed. And nine weeks into this season, I think you can make an argument that the Bears are not doing that. Whether that's just yeah. their game plans or their play calling. Things look awkward. Things look out of time or, or not in time, if you know what I'm saying. The timing looks off of certain things. Um I don't know. Like for, like for once, I'd even argue, why did Demetrius Harris not play a little bit more to give your off, your offensive line some help? Like it's just, it's 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 all fair to question at this point when the Bears have lost three in a row, and their offensive rankings put them amongst the league's worst. So this here's what I'm gonna do. I want to play Clancy Barone here before we get to David Cone because on that specific topic, this is where I think this conversation. Go so Cole Komet. They fixed his snaps. His snaps have gone up. He's clearly past Demetrius Harris. You know, as that number two tight end, uh, number one wide tight end, if you want to put it that way. But zero targets against the Titans. So they they got him on the field. They still can't get him the ball. So. Clancy Barone, the tight ends coach, was asked about this problem yesterday. Clancy, we've been hearing for weeks about, you know, you guys needing to get Cole more involved in the offense. And I know there are things he does in terms of pass protection and run blocking that, you know, don't show up on the box score. But when you went back and you watched the film, the, the 17 routes that he ran, why did he not get a target yesterday? You know, that's that's kind of you know, the age old question that probably everyone asks about every position. And I think, like I have said before, you know, we don't have a lot of, you know, him routes. We have very few plays that we um, try to game plan to scheme to get somebody open. Um, oftentimes it goes with, with the, uh, with our quarterbacks read. And if it's, if it's man, he's looking to go on, on this side, if it's zone, he's looking to go on that side. And then, and based upon the matchups and so on and so forth, um, I think his, his route running is, is very good. As we know, um, that was kind of his his thing, uh, you know, in, in college. He's always a, a very good uh, route runner, and that, that has not changed. Um, you know, but, you know, Cole's very patient with it, uh, as, are, as are all of us. And, um, you know, oftentimes that's that's the way that, that the game kind of plays itself out. And yesterday he didn't get any targets, and that's that's un, 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 unfortunate, I, I suppose, for his, uh, for his box score. 
I want to go back to that key part in the middle because I think that's what we need to focus on. When asked about every position, and I think like I have said before, you know, we don't have a lot of you know him routes. We have very few plays that we um, try to game plan to scheme to get somebody open. <laughs> now, that sounds ridiculous. They have very few plays where they scheme to get somebody open. I'm going to explain that uh, and sort of defend what he said. However, not get away from the fact that that actually is a problem. It sounds like a problem when he says it, and it is a problem. But it gets back to this offense, okay? This offense, and it's a good, it's a good concept, but the execution is unrealistic. So focus on what I just said there. Like the concept of this offense, it's good. It's unrealistic to actually execute it right now with the personnel that they're running it with. All right, if that makes sense. But so instead of having just, you know, five plays in a row where you're like, all right, this play's going to Allen Robinson, then this play's going to Colt Komet, and then this play's going over here to Anthony Miller. And yeah, there might be a second read on all these plays if that player is not open, but that's really what this is designed to do. Instead, it's like the best way I can explain it is every play has three or four options. Okay. And then within the play, there's supposed to be man beaters and zone beaters. So it's on the quarterback to process what the defense is playing in front of him. And then that sort of cuts down the options. So if it's man and. Nick Foles knows that his two man beaters are on the left side. Okay, I diagnose this man defense. I'm going over here. So instead of four options, now there's two. Well, now I got to figure out who's open among those options and hit the open guy. I mean, that's the concept of this offense is that there's supposed to be multiple solutions within every play, not just one solution. Because the problem with what Clancy Barone, um, you know, when he says a him route, it's designed to go to that guy, him. Well, if that one route's not open, the play's screwed. And so Matt Nagy, and he goes back to Andy Reid. I mean, this is Andy Reid's system to have multiple solutions within every play and put it on the quarterback to diagnose where the ball should go. That's what they talked about with Mitch. Be the point guard of the offense, right? When they had all those... Con- we talked about this endlessly before. So it's a good concept, But think about everything I just said that needs to be processed. And for Mitch, the problem too often was that he just couldn't read all of that and make the right decision, right? Or as he's reading all of it, his mechanics would get out of whack or his footwork would. And then something, it's like too often things would go wrong. So you bring in Nick Foles because Nick Foles has experience doing all this and he's supposed to be able to do all of it. But now... He has no time. Think about everything I just said, John. All that stuff that needs to be processed. He's got a man in his face like that. So this is what we talk about with making adjustments, putting your players in position to succeed. You got to get away from what you want your offense to be. It is not that. It just isn't. Maybe someday it will be, but right now it's not. So come up with more him routes. Come up with one more, hey, this play's got to go to Cole Komet. Let's scheme that guy open. They're not doing that enough. They need to figure that out. They need to start doing that.
See, they have. I, I do actually think they have some of that in their offense. They just don't. They don't have enough. They they don't go to it enough. Um, it's the old. Everything you just said there to me, it's the old. You know, trying to jam a square peg in a round hole, saying right like. It sounds good. It may even look good at practice. It looks good in Kansas City. But it doesn't get executed. Like, you don't have the players that can execute it. I'd even argue Nick Foles can't execute it right now quickly enough. And and there's sometimes he gets protection. Like, some of his best plays is when you deviated from that. Max protection, ball down the field, right? Like, that was Mitch Trubisky um, last year, too, right? Like, it allows him to see the field. He feels comfortable back there. He can put the ball where it's needed to be. It's just the the lack of simplicity when simplicity might be needed right now, especially given – like I, I thought the Bears would have such a simple game plan for the Titans. Backup after backup after backup playing. Your starter's not even playing well, right? Like one of the worst plays was from Jermaine Effetti. Something simple. Would work, and I get the calls, and it's you know not that easy to to eliminate certain things from your call sheet and everything. But you see the league, like it happens all across the league. You see teams adjust to what personnel they have. Things get simplified. Things become easier for the quarterback. Things didn't look easy for Nick Foles in that game, whatsoever. All the things that they said about him about. The quick processing, knowing what he's seeing when he walks to the line, I don't. Even, I, I doubt that stuff's even playing out, right? You're not. You don't have receivers who can get open right away, right? You don't have. Sometimes you don't have him routes because you don't have uh, a big time him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's just, it's all a problem. I keep going back to the John Fox's thing, but it, it's all a problem. And you would think that the coaching would become simplified. The play calling becomes simplified to get things clicking for your quarterback, for your beleaguered offensive line, for your beleaguered everyone. And it's just not. Well, and you heard Clancy say it. They don't have a lot of those routes. That's not the first. He said this a few weeks ago, or the last time we talked to him, or the time before that. It's not the first time this season he's talked about this with Cole Komet. But you are right that there are some. And like one example would be when we go back to that heated sideline exchange between Nick Foles and Matt Nagy. That was the Bucks game, right? Yeah. That was an example of a him route. They were that play was schemed to get Cordero Patterson open in the back of the end zone. Yeah. And he was open. But Foles didn't have the time to get the throw off and it resulted in a disastrous negative play and so that gets back to the coordination right you probably don't have enough of those plays however when you went to him went to the one in that specific time the quarterback wasn't happy with it because for the first time in that game they were moving the ball successfully getting getting into a rhythm putting the defense on their heels and Foles wanted to keep going no huddle and yet they got to the specific point, um, and it's probably a result of only having like, and I'm just making up a number here, but like, let's say you have like five of those plays in a game where like this is specifically go to this player. Well, so you get in that specific spot on the field where you want to run that specific play, and you just call it instead of understanding that just because that's what you game plan for 
doesn't necessarily mean the flow of the game is dictating going to that. And that's just a feel thing. And that, I think, is proving to be an issue here, too. So, one more thought on this. One more thought on this. Um, like, the best place to have him routes would be, like, in the red zone, right? And and how, how many times do you just feel like things are just needlessly overly complicated in the red zone? Like, just like, throw the ball up to Jimmy Graham. Yes, yes, which they've done a lot, right? Like, eventually they get to that point, right? But how many times have you seen them in goal-to-go situations where they're trying all sorts of different things, right? Just simplify it. Call that him route. Go to the guy that you're paying a lot of money to. Make him, you know, jump up and go get it. Same thing applies to Cole Komet. Like, even when they try to simplify it with the sprint out to the left, we have two routes, one in the flat to Anthony Miller, Darnell Mooney going to the you know to the the corner the flag and an interception happens was that the Saints game like that's not even working where you just could have just done a jump ball to Jimmy Graham the odds of that being successful are, are a lot more than trying to get a corner out jammed in the Darnell Mooney as good as he's been as a rookie yeah and look Nick Foles is in a tough spot right now I think that's always opened my ten bears things you know he's because, well, like I just explained, I mean, he may understand the offense and he may understand what he's supposed to be reading, but realistically right now with the time he has and with no running game, it's, especially for him and his limited mobility, they're asking a player who, and I don't know how many times I've said this, really needs everything around him to be great for him to be great. And that's just not the situation he's in. But, you know, it got to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still got to find a way to elevate the offense around him, even if it's somewhat unrealistic. Here's what Dave Ragone, um, the, the passing game coordinator, had to say about Nick Foles. Adam, Dave, what's up, man? Hey, Dave. How, how's it going, man? Kind of going off that, uh, we've always talked to you in the past about Mitchell throwing with conviction and having conviction behind his throws. I, I think that's probably an example of, of Nick, but are, are you seeing enough of those from him so far over his five or six starts throwing with conviction? Yeah, I think with us, you know, moving Nick into the starting lineup, um, getting a great idea of what he does well, uh, how he operates and obviously uh, making sure that, you know, he, within the system that we currently have in place and our ability to be flexible to, to, to bring out the best in his ability. I think there's, there's certain um, plays, concepts, thoughts that you feel uh, he's growing in. And there's certain things uh, that we have to make sure that if they're not working or there's just something a little bit off, either we adjust that or we move on to another concept, but there's definitely things. I mean, the ball being throwing the ball down the field. Uh, one of the things that I think we are doing well, uh, getting chunks from the defense that way. I mean, to me, you know, I know I've been with you guys for a while, but that has been an improvement over the years of us being able to to attack the defense that way vertically uh, and be able to get plays plus 15, plus 20 in the pass game. So those type of things, you know, with the conviction, the rhythm, the timing, the execution, uh, continuing to grow in that way, I think will just obviously help this offense. Here's how I view that comment. This is why I wanted to include it. That is a defense of Nick Foles and a criticism of Mitchell Trubisky without criticizing Mitchell Trubisky by name. That is 
Nick Foles being able to complete down the field throws, him, it's the couple passes, right? Like to Anthony Miller down the left sideline, maybe even Jimmy Graham down the left sideline. But I don't know. Like I'm just not buying it completely right now, Adam. I don't know how you feel about it, but because I, I like like you said, you need your quarterback at this point to be the multiplier, your best multiplier, to use a Matt Nagy word. And I don't think he has that in him. I don't think Nick Foles, even though he may hit one or two more down-the-field throws than Mitch Trubisky, I don't think he has that multiplying characteristic in his in him the, as a quarterback. I mean, I think the issue I'm having is, look, there's no question that they are a better downfield passing team, a better vertical team with Nick Foles out there. But there's still not enough of that because to be able to complete longer passes, you got to have more time. You got to let the routes develop. And right now, with that offensive line, that's not happening consistently enough. You know, there's one play. I got to go back and isolate it specifically because I honestly can't remember if he completed the pass or not. But there was one play on Sunday against the Titans where, and I think it might have been the first time all season, I saw a perfect like almost circular pocket around Nick Foles at least a u-shape you know a horseshoe like perfectly and Foles was right in the middle of it and he stepped up in that pocket and he threw the ball and I it stood out to me because I'm like I haven't seen that all season no matter who the quarterback's been sure as hell didn't see it enough on Sunday And, and so I guess what I'm getting at is It'd be great if Nick Foles had the time. He'd probably be completing even more of those passes. The offense would probably look better. I still, every game I watch, wonder if Mitch isn't the better option behind this offensive line because of his scrambling ability. And and by the way, he played one play last week and got hurt. So like, he may be taking shots too and getting hurt behind the offensive line. But uh, I, I think the bigger point is not neither one of these guys is really the long term option, obviously. Um, and as you keep saying, there's a lot of problems. There's a yeah, lot of things to fix, no matter who's the quarterback in the future. Well, I think what you have is a season that's slipping away, and you had this this seminal moment where seismic, we'll call it, where the quarterback was benched. You're, you know, you're the second overall pick. You're first-round draft pick from a couple years ago, was benched for a guy that was supposed to bring you so many different things. He was supposed to be so many different answers for, for the offense, and you're just not having it. Like, that's the standard that they should be held to. Like, this is a guy they thought with his experience, his quick processing, um, all those things that maybe Nick that Mitch Trubisky, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky doesn't have, like Nick Foles was supposed to provide those. He was supposed to... You know, throw the ball on time, all of this stuff. But he's just not. And when you have all these injuries, now you're left with like this limited feeling with Foles, right? Like he can only do so much because of the athlete he is and the player he is and the quarterback he is. Um, I know we're about to, to get to Kevin Fishbane here in a second, but I, I just want to bring up my lead from my five takeaways column, which is up on the athletic right now. Um, seeing Nick Foles get knocked around by the Titans, which is not a good pass rushing team, 
I thought about what Nagy said because I had asked him this after the Giants game, what Nagy said about Trubisky's two touchdowns in that Giants game. And everybody should remember, those were off-schedule, improvised plays by Trubisky, right? So this is, quote, Nagy. It's about extending plays. It's not easy to be able to have and predict an exact defense of what you think the defense is going to play every play. So there's a lot of non-scripted, off-script type plays that you look for. And those were two examples. It then goes into detail about those two plays. It was the touchdown to David Montgomery and the touchdown to Darnell Mooney. But then he ends. You see a lot of those across the league. It's nice to see. I think it's growth by him in having that happen. Of course, as we all know, that wasn't enough growth. But my point here is you just never see that from Nick Foles. You just don't. Like when he scrambles, you're like, oh my Lord, like <laughs> it looks uncomfortable to see him like actually have to use his legs in a gallop. Yeah. Well, there's that one play he rolled out to his left and then threw back across the middle. Uh, Who did he complete it to? He was just short of the the first down marker, and then they that was right before they got the two false starts. I think it was Anthony Miller. Yeah. Now I remember it like, ah, wow, that's a play he sort of made with his legs. It looks so painful to watch, though. And uh, it was still short. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's bring in Kevin Fishbane. You can follow him on Twitter at KFishbane. Read him on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Kev, uh, we've spent this entire podcast trying to fix the offense. It's a very ambitious task, um, but you know, we, I think we've I think we've solved it. Quite frankly, what do you got? What's the plan? New play caller and bench everyone. Okay, all right. I and like give Cole Komet the ball. <laughs> <laughs> we got Cole um, Komet playing quarterback, running back, tight end, and left tackle. Look, I all right. What do you need me for? You guys are all set. Uh, yeah, you know, I I wrote about the. Uh, I kind of had avoided writing about the play caller situation for a while because I just like the, it's just so nuanced and there's just so it's so complex all these problems and like you, you remember when the Bears made the quarterback switch and I joked that it's not so much that people liked Nick Foles, it's that they did not like Mitch Trubisky. I don't think anybody's clamoring for Bill Lazor to call plays. Like, all due respect to the Bears offensive coordinator, I don't think he's got the, like, giant fan club as somebody who wasn't working in the NFL last year. 
And same thing goes for John Filippo and Dave Bergone. It's not like, you know, it's not like it's, it's, a, it's not like he's got, you know, the next Sean McVay sitting back there. We don't think. Uh, but the, the problem is that they've they've reached this point. What else are you going to do? There's like I, I I can't I can't think of a single, you know, personnel like solution at this point that you, other than change the play caller. And really, you're just doing it for the sake of doing it just to see if that's what fixes it. Right. You're you're in this incessant search for for answers. Did, like, do you guys remember when Matt Nagy said that Trubisky should watch like the broadcast film just to have something different to evaluate, right? To have a different feel for the game. Like, I almost feel like that's part of this, right? Like, Matt Nagy should watch the game. Like, he should not be buried in his play sheet. Like, he should just watch it almost like the rest of us are watching it to, to see if any uh, extra information is gleaned, any other feel or rhythm can be gleaned from this. Because you're right, Kev, they've reached this point. Just like Matt Nagy reached that point with... Trubisky last year, like you have to try something different to get something better going on the field. And Hogue, you you made this point about you know comparing it to college, um, and you use Pat Fitzgerald, and and you've brought this up in, in years past. The idea that if you don't have to worry about calling plays, you can dedicate more attention to different a- aspects of the team. And, and you can have a different view of what's going wrong with your offensive line or your running backs or even your defense that isn't taking the ball away or sacking the quarterback at a rate that it should. Uh, and hey, maybe Matt Nagy becomes a better, you know, better clock management if he has more time to worry about that. Um, I will say the college coach you referenced in your example is not really the... Uh, the leader in clock management in uh, college football. But all right, all right. That's for another day. But, you know, I, I, I just I, I see something there because it's like, you know, maybe you just take this step back look. Um, and John Z, to your point, I, I do think if Matt Nagy is going to do that and watch the broadcast, I think he needs to watch. Um, he, he needs to watch the Saints game and just only have Troy Aikman. <laughs> like just maybe a couple of Joe Buck lines, but watch the entire Saints game with only Troy Aikman audio and see see how he comes out of that. No, wasn't that I, like like the Trubisky thing? Like he didn't listen to the broadcast. Like he, he watched the broadcast film, but he didn't listen. But to he the kept broad- the audio off. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably smart. I mean, even Lewis Riddick a couple weeks ago on Monday Night Football was was getting critical, and he's like friends with Matt Nagy. You know, you could kind of tell he was trying to couch it a little bit, but you know, at some point you got to do your job and and call it how you see it. You know, every situation's different because. Just because, you know, I bring up the Pat Fitzgerald stuff, and I did earlier in this podcast too, it doesn't mean that that's the way you have to do it. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is for a couple weeks, I think being able to soak in everything can help Matt Nagy. And even if he keeps it just to the offense, because I don't think he's going to step on Chuck Pagano's toes too much. There's no reason to. The defense is fine. Um you know, it just allows him to to maybe see some of the solutions in game instead of having to wait until Sunday night or Monday morning to go to the film. And look, in a perfect world, there's plenty of examples of these head coach, play caller, quarterback combinations being very, very successful. But that's not the situation the Bears are in. I mean, that was the idea. You know, you wanted Sean Payton and Drew Brees. You you know, you wanted Sean McVay. Jared Goff, which is like a extremely light example of that, but uh, or Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes or Kyle Shanahan and whoever the hell his quarterback is this week. But 
it's just not playing itself out here. So there's nothing wrong with trying something else. And I just think we're all in agreement here that certainly changing the play caller, you're right. Would it be more exciting if they had managed to like hire Mike Kafka in the offseason? He was the next up-and-coming play caller guy. And you're like, all right, we're turning it over to him. Yeah, that would be a little bit more promising probably than going to Bill Lazor. But I, I don't think it hurts anything. Here's an idea. How about Nick Foles calls his own plays? That doesn't work. Does somebody else play quarterback in this scenario? Why not? I, I think Nick Foles... I'm going to defend the guy for a little bit. I, I feel like, all right, to use what they always say about him, given his experiences, that he probably has a good feel for what's working out there. To go back to that old, that old who was it, the, the Brian Greasy conversation where things got misconstrued a bit, like I think Nick Foles has a good feel for what works, what doesn't, and what he has time for. I know he has input on what goes on that play sheet and what plays want to be called in certain situations, but maybe you just give him a little bit more freedom. Just, hell, Nick, I'm not doing much better. Just go with it, man. What about Hulk Tyler doesn't like Bray? It. What about Tyler Bray calling? What else is Tyler Bray doing? He's been with he's been with Matt Nagy for since 2013. He's, oh my god. <laughs> it's just one off the rails. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you know how hard I'll, I'll, it is for quarterbacks to call their own plays on the field? Like you, Nick Foles may understand the offense. He is not Peyton Manning. Well, I'm just saying again. Well, first of all, quarterbacks do their own things at the line of scrimmage. All right, so maybe you give them a little bit more freedom. Well, good good quarterbacks. Oh. Yeah, that's debatable there. Go back, just rewind what I said earlier in this podcast, and you'll see where I really stand. But again, I I just think everything has to be on the table. Maybe it's Nick Foles getting a little bit more freedom. Let let me ask you guys a question, and forgive me if you already discussed this. Um, So Matt Nagy, after his first year, the biggest indictment of the offense, I mean, we had questions about Mitch Trubisky, but the biggest indictment of the offense was the run game, right? They couldn't run the ball well in 2018. So you move on from Jordan Howard, you bring in Dave Montgomery and Mike Davis. The run game stunk last year. It's terrible. Okay, so what do you do this year? You bring in Bill Lazor and Juan Castillo and Clancy Barone as your new coaches. You make a you know one change in the offensive line, and, you, and you're going to. That's how you're going to fix the run game. They're 32nd in rushing yards per game. Their run game has gotten worse. That like when, when we're trying to figure out how the, and that's where I almost come back to the idea of, well, maybe laser could have something to help with because the idea is that he and Castillo are going to be your run game guys. And the run game is still bad. It's horrible. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm just wondering how, how a new can a new player call play caller fix that. Does Bill laser have ideas for the run game that Matt Nagy is not using? I, like I have no idea, but that that to me is so befuddling uh, that 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 like year after year, that's the one thing that they can't get right. You know what the crazy thing is? You go back to 2018. All the all the things you just said, Kevin. All the things that they've changed the running back. They've they've changed the assistant coaches. The only offensive lineman that's been out there the whole time is Charles Leno Jr. The one constant in all of it's Matt Nagy. 
Well, specifically when it comes to the running game. Everything else is different. We were recording the post game pod the other day. Johns, I I I looked up because I had the t- I had red zone on on the TV here here in my office, and I look up and the Dolphins are celebrating. And I see Adam Shaheed and Jordan Jordan Howard. <laughs> and I'm just like, of course, this is like the Twilight Zone here, huh? Yeah. Uh, of course, I mean, and they got a big win over the Cardinals, and they're out there celebrating. It's like, does it just is bad? It's a bad look, if nothing else. Have you seen Jordan Howard's numbers, by the way? They're incredible. I'm going to pull them up. It's like, it's out of another world. Well, he was inactive for three weeks. Correct. A healthy scratch. I mean, look, Jordan Howard and Adam Sheet, I'm not trying to say that they're... We've really gone off the rails here. Jordan Howard has 28 carries for 33 yards... And four touchdowns. That's amazing. It's goal line back right there. Oof. That's impressive. Yeah. Also, I, I do think this does for there are still Bears fans that think that they should have kept Jordan Howard. But oh, I guess yeah. my point my, my point is that actually exactly what you just said. Like they've they've upgraded the personnel in my opinion. And like I'm bringing up Jordan Howard and Adam Shaheen sort of as a joke, but I'm I'm bringing up the fact that they're on my TV celebrating while the Bears can't figure this stuff out. They're, I mean, Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham are better than Adam Shaheen, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, and Cohen was on that 2018 team. But I mean, that's a better combination. But they're getting worse still. Like that's what doesn't make sense. I guess that's my point. Like I think they're actually improving the personnel and somehow getting worse. It it comes down to, to coaching, does it not? Like like, yes, the personnel is what it is at this point. This is where your coaches have to step in and get the best out of them, right? Oh, I mean, they they clearly haven't improved the personnel in the offensive line. So well, I, yeah, I, you're, I, down I think, to, you're down to like reserves of reserves. Well, when you when we talk to Ryan Pace, I mean that's going to be question number one, right? Is is the offense like maybe not number one, depending on who who gets the first question in? I think we all know. What, if, what was that one question that started the end of your press conference that one year? Oh, it was the. Uh, I think it was an evaluation of Adam Shane. <laughs> no. Yes. Well, I also remember that 2013. After that year, Phil Emery came in and announced contract extensions for Jay Cutler, Tim Jennings, and Matt Slauson. And the first question was for evaluation of Kyle Long's rookie season. And yes. I and Peggy Kaczynski gave this reporter, who's not a, a everyday beat reporter, the look of death. That was, uh, but but hey, one of the first questions to Ryan Pace is going to have to be, you know, should did you did you do you regret not fixing the offensive line from personnel, you know, scenario? Like they they told us their personnel's fine; they just need a new coach and. Uh, we, we've we've seen the results. I would hope they would regret it. Yeah. All right. Poor Juan Castillo sounded defeated, <laughs> didn't he? Yesterday, he sounded sad. Yeah, usually so upbeat and optimistic. he had a tough week though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, his room was ravaged by this pandemic, and yeah, and you got Alex Bars playing center. Do you think that one of the worst things for Matt Nagy and Juan Castillo? Is the fact that the Bengals beat up on the Titans with a backup offensive line? Absolutely. 
Like, do you think Maggie, someone in House Hall saw that and was like, oh, shoot. If the Bengals any, did that. Do you think there's any chance Lachavius Simmons was going to play before he went on the COVID list? Uh, Juan Castillo certainly made it seem that way by detailing. Didn't he was bringing up the homecoming to Tennessee and all that? Yeah, family and he was, was crying. He was, yeah, Simmons was crying. You know, Castillo got emotional, I thought, on the Zoom call, too, over it. It's just, yes, it felt like he was going to, I don't know where. Well, right well, he, tackle, I would yeah, think. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I think if you were going to, yeah, if you were going to make the uh, even even an in-game change, that would have been. Oh, that coward been has move. to go. Coward has to. I, he's just. I, they, look, they tried, right? I, you had a defensive lineman, an undrafted guy. You tried to convert him to offensive line. It was a good story, but it it's just come on. How how many times can he give up a sack or a, a negative play before you move on? At some point, you just got to call it how it is. So that's why I brought that up because you know that that's clearly not the solution right now at right tackle. And so I wondered if Lechavius Simmons was actually going to play before, because you think a seventh round actual offensive lineman, even though he's a rookie, would get a chance over an undrafted defensive lineman to play right tackle. You would think, especially with this wisdom. Yeah, yeah, especially with the evidence that's that's at hand right now at this point. All right, Kevin, uh, fifteen seconds on Northwestern. Go. Cats are three and zero, one of the best defenses in the country. Big Ten West Championship on the line Saturday. Cats Purdue. The Wisconsin games next week, buddy. Yeah, do they, are they gonna have enough games to qualify? Yeah, they're gonna play this week. All right. Well, your preliminary Big Ten West Championship this weekend, Northwestern uh, Purdue. I'm hey, not, I'm going to regret saying this, but I'm not that worried about Purdue. Um, th- that that's a good offense. Uh, let me rephrase. A little worried about Purdue this week. Not worried about Purdue in the Big Ten West, if that makes sense. Like way, I don't you, consider them a real contender. I will say one thing: the Bears and Northwestern have in common is when they have a lead. A one-score lead late in the game, they are both incredibly ineffective at just finishing the game with a couple first downs. And Adam Johns has fallen asleep. What? <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday. A preview episode. Bears. Are we going Thursday? We're we going Friday. Thursday, right? Thursday. Yeah. It's a it's Thursday a Monday afternoon. game. Yeah, it's a Monday game. So. You know, we adjust. But yeah, I think we'll we'll still go Thursday and Bears Vikings. Johnson's guy, Kirk Cousins. Whew. You like that? I like I mean, the Bears like his Monday night football record. I know that. We'll break it all down for you Thursday. By then the offense will definitely be fixed. After everything we've done in this podcast, all the hard work we've put in, it'll be fixed and they'll be back on track to beat the Vikings. I think losing to Kirk cousins on Monday night football would be one of the most bears things that this franchise can do. Yeah, it really does set up that way. Doesn't it? I was doing my power rankings last night and I came across the chargers record in one score games over the last two seasons. They're three and 15 in one score games. And of course, one of those three wins against the bears at soldier field. So, yeah, it sets up perfectly for Kirk Cousins to get his first Monday night football victory. All right, well, guess you don't need to listen on Thursday now. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. 
Read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. These guys got great content up. TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Check it out. If you're not a subscriber, there's really no reason not to be $1 a month for 12 months. Uh, you can't beat that deal. Check it out right now. TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you sticking with us. Tough season, but hey, the Bears are still 5-4. and four. There's seven more games to go. And uh, we fixed the offense today. So it should only be better from here. We'll break it all down for you on Thursday. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? God bless.